You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome back to A Bigger Life. Now, I've been waiting to do Psalm 63 because it's kind of one of my favorite psalms and I didn't want to do it right away, sort of just, you know, get to it too quickly because I wanted to sort of build up to it and do other psalms instead and not just not just uh, have a one-off and be done with it. But uh, I think it's time to do it. This is like one of the first psalms I ever really learned to pray through uh, when I was in college. I was a sophomore in college and... It's a good example. The reason I'm looking forward to doing it is it's a really good example of using our imagination. Again, like I said in our last episode, poetry is meant to appeal to the emotion and to the imagination. And uh, this is one of those psalms where using our imagination really helps us to pray in a deeper way, to fellowship with God in a deeper way. And it's one of those times in my life when I was in college that I learned the power of praying scripture and the power of imagining what I'm praying as I draw near in fellowship with God and as he draws near to me. There really is a Holy Spirit kind of power that deepens my fellowship with God and it it changes our lives. And so I really want, I'm hoping to take you on that journey in this episode of Psalm 63. We're just going to look at the first four verses because there'll be plenty to talk about and pray through as we just sort of use our imagination to connect with God. And again, this is a psalm that's written in the context of fear, like all, almost all of the psalms uh, of David, written in the context of affliction. We know that from the last three verses and the little subscript at the beginning says, this is a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So he's out in the desert. The wilderness of Judah is not like a forest. It, the, it's, it's a rocky, deserty kind of place. And he is out there hiding, no doubt, uh, from Saul or from somebody. And he's being attacked. He's being lied about. He's being slandered. And it's causing him to, have, to be in danger. And somebody's trying to kill him because they're believing lies about him. And that's the context of this psalm. And so I think it's important for us to always remember that in our fears, in our afflictions, in our all kinds of afflictions, whether people are talking, saying things about us that are untrue, we can't sleep at night because people are believing lies about us, something we said that we didn't say. And that happens a lot. It happens a lot to me as a pastor, and I'm sure it happens a lot to you just as a person. And those things really wear on us, and they keep us from sleeping, and they just sort of get in the pit of our stomach. And we, the best thing to do is to draw near to God in those times and to have those times lead us to prayer rather than stewing and anxiety and just sort of rehearsing an argument in our head. Instead of doing that, uh, because we usually get worse for doing that, uh, draw near to God. So whether it's the affliction of sickness for you or the affliction of conflict or the affliction of finances, uh, maybe relational in your family or whatever it is, 
maybe you're dealing with sin and you're just so tired of it and you feel like you're kicked out of the family of God because how many times can you do it and God forgive you? But here you are listening to this episode because you don't want to walk away. And I'm so glad you're here. And I'm just going to tell you that whatever the affliction is, God wants you to draw near to him. He doesn't want you to believe the lies that you're on your own, but he wants you like David in this psalm when he's in the wilderness of Judah and the conflict and the affliction he's having in the context of fear, he's drawing near to God. And this is a really great psalm for us to use our imagination and how we draw near to God. So the first verse says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This is a great example of of seeing God not just as God, the God that created this universe, the God who created us, the God who is Lord of heaven and earth and oversees everything. It's, It's possible to believe in that kind of God, and yet that kind of God can stay distant in your thinking, distant in your imagination, and you become far away and unable to approach that kind of God. And so David says something more here. He says, oh God, you are my God. My God is very personal. When God says, I am your God, he is being very intimate and personal with us. I am the one who is your God And he is pledging himself to us. And so when David says, oh God, you are my God, he's saying two things. He's saying that God has pledged himself to me to be my God, to protect me, to be with me. Like he says to Jacob in Genesis 28 that I said in a sermon a few weeks ago, to always be with us, to watch over us wherever we go, to never leave us, and to be faithful to his promise. When God promises to be our God, that is an intimate pledge to always be near. And then when David says, you are my God, he's saying our life is filled with all kinds of opportunities to have other gods before God, whether it's other gods of the things that make us worry or other gods of the things that we think bring us pleasure. The other gods that our culture chases after are temptations for every believer. And so when we come in this psalm, we're saying, we're reminding ourselves as much as we're saying to God that God is my God. And I seek him earnestly. Earnestly I seek you, he says. That word earnestly is the same Hebrew word for the word dawn. It means early at dawn or first thing in the morning. Intensely, I desire to fellowship with God. Now, you don't have to pray this first thing in the morning. It's just a metaphor in this psalm as being, I seek God first and earnestly. I seek after God because he is my God. He's not just the God of the universe. He's pledged to be my God. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Let's use our imaginations because that's where David is right now. He has to use his imagination less when he writes this. He's exactly in that place. He's in a dry and weary land where there is no water, and that's the literal context that he's writing these figurative 
metaphorical words as poetry. But So we have to use our imagination because chances are you're not in a dry or airy land right now. You're probably in your house or somewhere in air conditioning. you got plenty of liquids. You're just fine. But we use our imagination because David is saying this is the condition in reality, metaphorically speaking, of his soul. He's in a dry and weary land. We live in a dry and weary earth that's been in many ways cut off from the presence of God. God hides himself. And we live in a culture running after other gods. And we are in some sense behind enemy territory and spiritual warfare, and so we are constantly being barraged by false gods, false images that we chase after. And I think it's sort of like mirages, right? When you're in a desert and you're so thirsty, you're going to, at least from all the stereotypical times of somebody in movies that's in a desert and they're just about ready to die of thirst, they start to see mirages, mirages of false water. And it's a real, it's a real phenomenon. Uh, it's light reflecting off the hot sand. It looks like water. And we see mirages that look like water, but they're not. They're just piles of sand that that drain through our fingers when we thought we were getting water and they ended up making us more thirsty. Anything but God makes us more thirsty. And so we're using our imagination here. I'm in a desert. My soul is so thirsty. I don't always know it's for God that I thirst, but it's only for God that I thirst. My body is fainting. I don't always know that it's for God that my body is fainting, but my thirst for God is causing me to be drained spiritually, to be drained psychologically, emotionally, physically in ways I have no idea. It's possible to go through life thirsting for God and not know it and always trying to fill it with other things, but we're reminding ourselves in this psalm that it's for God that we thirst. I thirst for God. I seek Him because only He is the water that I seek. Oh God, you are my God, David says. Verse 2, so I have looked upon you. Again, we have to use our imagination here, right? I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Now, I don't think there was a sanctuary in David's day. There was no temple. Maybe he's talking here about the tabernacle, which was a tent. I don't get the impression that some tent would be this grandiose sanctuary he's talking about. I think he's saying a little bit similar to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. My Father in heaven hallowed be your name, holy be your name. And we can certainly pray first and foremost that God's name would be holy in our imagination, full of splendor and majesty and radiance and glory. And I think that's what David is doing out here in the desert because he's not in the sanctuary in the desert, that's for sure. He's praying with his imagination and he's seeing God in his holiness. He's seeing God in his mind's eye. The eyes of his heart, the New Testament says, he's using his imagination to see God in his splendor, in his holiness. It helps me to imagine the universe with all of its billions of galaxies, each having its billions of stars. It's immense beyond my capability of understanding. And I see that as the glory of a God who created all that. And God is yet infinitely Greater than even the finite universe, he is a God of glory and splendor and majesty and radiance. And so David in his mind's eye looks upon God. I look upon you in holiness, beholding, again through my imagination, beholding your power 
and your glory. Remember I said a couple weeks ago in my sermon that having a moment where God becomes more real to us like Jacob had when he saw God's presence on earth, having a Jacob kind of moment is that we realize that God has always been with us and we were just unaware. And that's a moment we have when we pray the scriptures. We're reminding ourselves what's always been true. God and his power and glory is surrounding us. We just are not aware. We use our mind's eye, we use our imagination, the eyes of our heart to look upon God in his holiness and to behold his power and his glory. Verse 3, because your steadfast love, there's that word over and over and over, God's power and his glory and his steadfast love, because your steadfast love is better than life. It's better than being alive because there is no purpose to life without the steadfast love of God. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. That's allowed, right? It's a real power, I think, in praising God aloud. So when I pray through scripture, I'm obviously doing it aloud because I'm doing this podcast, but I find it powerful in my life when I do it aloud with or without a podcast to praise God aloud with my lips, so my lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. God gives me my life. I owe every second to my life, to the life-giving power and glory and steadfast love of God, and so I will praise him. My lips will bless him as long as I have the life that he gives me. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, lifting up our hands is something I feel more comfortable doing in private. I always feel awkward doing it in public. I know, judge me all you want. I'm just being honest. I like to lift my hands in private because I know nobody's watching but God. And there's something about it where it's like what David says in Psalm 28, verse 2, I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. So in that sense, I'm lifting my hands toward God's presence. I know it's all around me. I know he surrounds me like a fortress, but there's also a sense in which Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven when he prayed, and so I lift my hands toward heaven because in my imagination, I'm imagining God present in his sanctuary, the glory of the universe, and I'm lifting my hands toward him, showing my need for him, that I'm seeking him that I'm crying out for him, that I'm thirsting for him, that my body is fainting for him in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And so I lift my hands to God, who is God, who oversees Lord of heaven and earth. He oversees everything, and yet he's my God, personally committed to me. And so I lift my hands to him. All right, let's pray. Oh, God. You are Lord of the universe, King of heaven and earth. And I can't even begin to comprehend the fact that while you are Lord of all of the universe and you are present on that star a million light years away in some of one of your billions of galaxies in this universe, and yet you are equally 100% present here with me. You are my God. You have committed yourself to me. I don't know how it works, but you are here with me 100% because you are infinite. You are no less anywhere else, and yet you are still 100% present here with me. And like you said to Jacob, you are watching over me. You are 
with me always, and you will never leave me, and you will fulfill all of your promises to me, and that's a promise to me as much as it was a promise to Jacob. And so I have a Jacob moment now where I see you, and I was unaware, but you are right now present with me. You are my God. You forever pledge to be my God. And I want you to be my God in the sense that I seek you first. I don't want to run after other gods. The sorrows of those will be multiplied who run after other gods. I don't want sorrows to be multiplied. I want to drink living water from Jesus. I want to come to you because my soul is thirsty for you. I know I think it's for other things. Forgive me that I tried to drink from mirages over and over again. I try to drink from mirages and the sand just goes through my fingers because there's no water there. You alone are living water. You alone quench my soul's thirst because you created me for you. You are God and you are my God and my soul thirsts for you. For you alone my soul thirsts. My flesh faints for you. For you alone my body longs because you've created my body to exist with you. You created my body to be animated by your Holy Spirit, to not be cut off from you, but to have life-giving power in your presence. And so my body longs for that day again when I have a resurrected body on a renewed earth and there will not be this separation, but I will be animated by your presence. My body longs for you right now in a dry and weary land where there's no water, but you're here because you pledge yourself to be here by your Holy Spirit. So in my mind, in the eyes of my heart, I look upon you in your holiness. I look upon you in the power of the God that created this universe, the power of the God that creates every cell and every living thing and every DNA you are the God who is unimaginably powerful, incomprehensibly powerful. I behold your power and your glory, your radiance, your beauty, because your steadfast love for me is better than life itself. There is no reason for living without your steadfast love. Your steadfast love is what only gives purpose to my life, reason for my life, security to my life, your power, your glory, your steadfast love surrounds me now like a fortress, surrounds me now like air all around me. You are present with me now. My lips will praise you. I will bless you as long as I live because your Holy Spirit gives me every moment's power to live. You created me and you give me the gift of life. There is no life apart from you, literally and figuratively. There is no life apart from you. In your name, I will lift up my hands right now. I lift up my hands to you. I lift up my hands toward heaven because you are the God who created everything. You are the God who is the source of all existence, and you are the giver of all life, and you are infinite. You have always existed, and you are right here 100% with me. And you are 100% on that star, billions of millions of light years away, equally present there, equally present here, infinitely present here with me, watching over me. I lift up my hands to you and you grab my hands. I know you do because you are my God. You have come and you have died for me and you have risen from the dead for me to give me life forever, to take me 
into your presence forever. And one day this dry and weary land will be a land of milk and honey because you will come and you will bring flourishing again. You will bring renewal. You will bring resurrection. This is the story my life is in. You are the context of my life. Your steadfast love, your power, and your glory alone will satisfy my thirst. You satisfy my thirst even now by your Holy Spirit. Jesus says that you are the living water. He is the living water. From my inmost being will flow fountains of living water by your Holy Spirit. And I just imagine all that right now. As I pray through these words that were written by your Holy Spirit for me to pray, because this is what you want me to think. This is how you want me to see you. In my fear, in my insecurity, in my affliction. Even though I'm in a dry and weary land where there is no water, I drink now from your Holy Spirit. My soul thirsts for you. You are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My lips praise you. I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, lift up my hands. Because I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast of The Crossing, a church in Columbia, Missouri. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating so people can find this content more easily or consider texting it to a friend or posting it on social media. Thanks for listening.